I hope you have your copy of God's Word. I hope you have a Bible with you today. Philippians chapter 1. Go there with me, would you please? Is it possible to face opposition for your faith and still know the joy of the Lord? Is it possible to face opposition because you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and still know the joy of the Lord? It is. It is possible, as we saw last week when we looked closely at verses 12 through 14 here in Philippians 1. But what about when you're opposed by someone in the church? What about when you're opposed by a person whom you've served alongside in the church? Is it possible then to have joy? We'll find out today as we observe how Paul deals with opposition from others who were actually preaching Christ. But in preaching Christ, they were trying to inflict Paul with more suffering. In his commentary on this passage, John MacArthur writes, one of the most discouraging experiences for a servant of God is that of being falsely accused by fellow believers, especially co-workers in the church. To be maligned by an unbeliever is expected. To be maligned by another believer is unexpected. The pain runs very deep when one's ministry is slandered, misrepresented, and unjustly criticized by fellow preachers and teachers of the gospel. That is precisely the situation Paul faced in Rome where some of the church leaders, in opposition to him, were preaching Christ even from envy and strife. We expect to be maligned by unbelievers. We ought not be surprised. To be maligned by believers, that's discouraging, to say the least. And this is not a new problem. The church in Paul's day experienced firsthand this kind of pettiness. And I think it is pettiness. And we're at risk of being petty people if we're not careful. People who care more about our own feelings than we do for the cause of Christ. Sometimes it's the easily offended who can create strife and conflict for others in the church. Sometimes it's people who are envious or filled with selfish ambition that go about trying to tear others down and hinder the ministry of others, thinking that somehow they'll build themselves up or build up their own ministry. But as we continue our look at Philippians this week, We're going to see how Paul was able to maintain his joy in spite of this difficulty, in spite of this hardship and hurt that other people were trying to cause him. 
I want you to look with me at verses 15 through 18 this morning here in Philippians 1. And this is one of the reasons I preach a message like this. And I think about this passage and I wonder sometimes when I begin speaking like I just spoke, I wonder sometimes what people think. Is pastor thinking of any particular situation? Is there something going on that we don't know about? And this is one reason I love to preach verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Because this is not my bully pulpit, so to speak. This is God's word, and here we are at the next passage. And I want to tell you, I don't have anything in particular in mind going on in our fellowship. There could be something going on. I don't know. God knows. But I come to the passage, and here we are. And I think it's a timely thing that we pay attention and think about this. Is it possible to have joy even if we're opposed by someone who comes along in the church and opposes us or someone whom we've served with? Maybe it's another church. We've served alongside them in some other church and they're opposing us. I don't want you to think that there's something in particular. I don't know that there is. I don't believe that there is, but there could be. But I do want you to know that this is the next passage. In Philippians 1. So here we are. And God is going to instruct us, I believe, and encourage us and help us. I think God's word completely equips us if we will allow ourselves to be equipped. So let's be equipped this morning. Let's be prepared for those challenges that will likely come our way if if we spend the rest of our lives in God's church. Because this is not a new problem. As we continue our look at Philippians this week, we're going to see how Paul was able to maintain his joy in spite of this difficulty. I think we'll learn from his example how we can maintain our joy, how we can know the joy of the Lord in spite of the difficulties that come, even difficulties that that might show up from within the church or amongst fellow believers, maybe not in the church that we're in, but in the church at large. Look with me at verses 15 through 18 and follow along as I read from the English Standard Version. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Opposition from people within the church or from people who have been a part of a ministry that you are a part of can be very discouraging. But what's encouraging from this passage is that in spite of the opposition, Paul faced This opposition in his ministry, he was able, in spite of it all, to maintain his joy. He was able to find the joy of the Lord that was his strength. And I want to remind you of our emphasis here last week, which is that Paul was able to maintain his joy, even in the face of great opposition, even in the face of great difficulty. And I'm sure there was grief on Paul's part, but he was able to endure because of his singular focus in life on the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. And I believe that we can also have the joy that God gives, even in the midst of difficulty, even difficulty caused by those who oppose us from within the church. 
if we will follow God's word, if we will look at God's word together as we are this morning and look at the example of Paul that God has given us, and if we will follow Paul's example and follow the Bible, follow God's word, it all hinges on what we see was Paul's singular focus. His desire was to know Christ and to serve Christ and to make his gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ's gospel, good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, to make it known. That was his singular focus in life. Let's start at the end of our passage this morning. That's a little different, but I like to mix things up occasionally, and I think it's appropriate that we start at the end. Let's start at the end of our passage today where we see so clearly this truth. Look again at verse 18, where we see Paul's focus was on Christ. Says Paul, verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Two words, so what? So what? These two words at the beginning of verse 18, what then? What then? Are like Paul saying, so what? Who cares? Now, I'm sure Paul was grieved. This is not how things are supposed to be in the church. I'm certain Paul was grieved. That there was division among believers It's heartbreaking when it happens, but he wasn't going to let it bother him that he was being opposed. His attitude was, I'm being opposed, so what? What then? I'll tell you what then. Christ is being proclaimed. I'm going to rejoice in that. So what if I'm being opposed? Now, that's an attitude that isn't very common today. We have become so comfortable. We have become so satisfied in getting our own way that we don't find it easy to come up with an attitude like that, do we? Don't we want people on our team? Don't we want people on our side? Don't we want everyone to agree with us? And just a heads up, if you'll just agree with me on everything, we'll be fine. Because I want everybody to agree with me. And you want everyone to agree with you. And you want everyone on your team. And I want everyone on my team. Why? Because we're human. I want my wife to agree with everything that I recommend. She doesn't always agree. (laughs) Why? Because we're two individuals whom God brought together and made one. But yet we still have our attitudes and opinions and Ideas and strengths and weaknesses and all that makes for an interesting life. That's the church. God brings us together and we are all different. Heaven, for heaven's sake, we are all different. It's frustrating sometimes how different we are. And yet, if we're paying attention, it's glorious. It's wonderful that we're different. It is incredible to me 
when I look around the church and I see how many people are serving in so many different ways, how unique and special the body of Christ is because we're all different, and yet God brings us together with this one common, wonderful truth that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ shed his blood for us, was crucified for our sins, and in Christ we're forgiven, cleansed, and made clean. And diverse as we are, as unique as each of us is as individuals, God brings us together into the church and says, you're the body of Christ. I'm the head, you follow me. I lead, you serve, we point people to Christ, and you know my joy. We want people to be on our team. We want the support of others. But it doesn't always happen the way that we want it to, does it? But Paul says, so what? I don't think he's being flippant here, and I think we need to be careful that we're not flippant about opposition. I'm not saying that we should be flippant about this. But I think he's saying, it's okay. I'm not going to let it derail my train of ministry. I'm not going to let it be a problem for me. Because of this singular focus on Christ and his gospel being preached, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. What a wonderful attitude. But one that's hard to come come by at times. I pray for it. I pray for it for us. I wish you would pray for it for me, that we would have this attitude. It's okay, as long as Christ is being proclaimed. That was all that mattered to Paul. Now, I'm certain it hurt to be opposed. I have feelings. You, you might not realize that. I have feelings, and I'm, I have my feelings hurt at times when I'm opposed, and I don't get my way, and everything isn't seen the way I see it. I'm kind of weird, though, so I see things kind of strangely, and I'm getting used to people not seeing things my way. Right? But we have feelings. You have feelings. You get your feelings hurt when you're opposed. I'm certain it hurt Paul. I'm certain that this wasn't easy come, easy go for Paul. Paul was human as we are. But he was able to press on. And he was able to press on because of his singular focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. He wanted to proclaim the gospel of Christ. He wanted people to know Christ. He wanted to make him known with his life. So here's news for you. We don't need to be jealous of any other churches that have more people than we do this morning. We can and we should rejoice wherever the gospel is being proclaimed. I once heard of a church that was ex- growing explosively, just a, growing in explosive growth, numbers and numbers of people. So many people were, were coming to this church that, that their parking lot was full to overflowing, and, and it was beginning to be a bit of a traffic problem for, for the community and the neighborhood. And, and uh, this pastor related that he was concerned about another church in the neighborhood, and he was certain that they were probably frustrated that their people couldn't get in and out of their own parking lot because this other church was so full and growing. 
And then he was humbled by a phone call. This neighboring church's pastor called and said, we are so excited to see your church growing like it is. In fact, we noticed that you have a parking problem and we wanted to offer our parking lot to you. Tell your people that they can come and park at our church if they want. You can use our parking lot. In fact, I would like you to come and preach at my church sometime. What an incredible attitude. What a blessing. You know how that happens? It happens when you focus on Christ and on making Christ known. We can and should rejoice wherever Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. That's a remarkable attitude that Paul had, and it's one that we should be asking God to help us have. As long as Jesus Christ was being proclaimed, Paul wasn't going to let their motive for proclaiming Christ be an issue for him. And their motive, for some of them, their motive was wrong. That's an attitude that will lead to our joy. It's an attitude that if we'll practice it, will lead to our joy. If we'll content ourselves with Christ and Him alone and Him being made known. It's an attitude that will lead to our joy. Looking to God alone who is in control, just as we sang this morning. Seeking to live for Christ and His gospel. And if there are people around us who are proclaiming Christ, even if they oppose us, even if they seek to do us harm, we ought to rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. Now I want you to note how Paul responds to these two types of people who are preaching the gospel. We can see here one group is preaching out of envy and rivalry and the other group is preaching out of love and goodwill. Now I want you to understand that the the troublemaking individuals were actually believers. Paul is not referring to false teachers here. We, We do find in the New Testament many references to false teachers, but this is not one of them. He's actually speaking of men whose doctrine was sound, but their motives were not. And in verses 15 and verse 17, he's pointing to the motives of the group which were all wrong. They had the right message, but the wrong motives, their motives were wrong. Now, how does one have the right message but the wrong motives? And I'll warn you, it happens when you make your aim something other than Christ. You take your eyes off of Christ. You take your eyes off the gospel, the good news. And maybe it's a desire for the church to be seen as successful by the community. Maybe it's a desire for more people or more conversions or more baptisms or for one's own ministry to succeed. Whatever the case Their motives were wrong. Paul makes that clear. He knew their motives were wrong. He he doesn't gloss that over. They were thinking of themselves. And we can easily find ourselves with the right message, but the wrong motive if we allow anything else to take the priority over proclaiming Christ and His gospel. When we start thinking only of ourselves and our own desires, we are headed for dangerous territory. 
That's what had happened to these individuals. Paul says first that they were preaching from envy and rivalry. Their motives were selfish. They were only promoting themselves. And they were not preaching Christ out of sincerity. They were preaching the gospel of Christ. But they were doing it for selfish reasons. And they were intentionally trying to add to Paul's difficulty. He says in verse 17, they were thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So it's clear their desire wasn't to proclaim the gospel of Christ, to make Christ known so much as to cause Paul trouble. Their intent was to cause harm to Paul, even as they proclaimed truth. It's kind of... Remarkable, isn't it? And yet, we need to take the challenge seriously that we guard our own heart's attitudes, that we not find ourselves proclaiming the truth and yet with hidden motives, maybe even some that we're not totally aware of. Their desire wasn't to proclaim the God of, of the gospel. Their desire wasn't necessarily to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that people would know Christ. Their desire was to proclaim Christ so as to hinder Paul. We each need to be on guard against this. How easy it is for us, isn't it? How easy it is for us to find ourselves with wrong motives allowing those wrong motives to creep into our lives to direct our actions and even our thinking and our words and even our teaching. Oh, how we ought to be on guard, how we ought to pray and ask for God to, to show us when, we, when we're acting selfishly, even with the right outward actions. It's possible to say all the right things. It's possible to say we believe the right things and be doing the right things, but be doing them for the wrong motives. And this will happen when you stop seeking to make your greatest desire to know Christ and to serve Christ, to make his gospel known. And in the absence of your focus being Christ, you will find also an absence of joy. In fact, an absence of joy may be an indicator that this is going on. It may be a wake-up call for us to take heed. You cannot have the Lord's joy if you will not make Christ and his gospel your aim. You see, God isn't about making us happy in our disobedience. In fact, he will often seek to make us uncomfortable. It's It's the lack of joy that's an indicator of that. God will not allow us to have his joy if we aren't seeking to know him and make him known. And if you find that you are the one being opposed by those who have the wrong motives, it can certainly hurt. It can be painful. But you can know the Lord's joy. If you'll keep your eyes on Christ... If you learn to have the attitude, so what? As long as Christ is being proclaimed. 
That is what Paul is saying in spite of the opposition. In verse 18, he's able to say, whether in pretense or in truth, whatever their motives, Christ is proclaimed. Whatever their motives, whether in pretense or in truth, I'm going to rejoice in this, that Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. Yes, and I will rejoice. It's almost like he's preaching to himself here. We need this from time to time, don't we? I need this. I need to preach to myself. (laughs) Hello, Kevin. Rejoice in the Lord always. God is not surprised by this. God is not surprised by this. God is not wringing his hands over this. Oh, I need to preach to myself all the time. And I'm guessing that you would be helped too if you would preach the truths of the Scriptures to yourself, as I think Paul is doing here. What incredible strength we see in Paul's attitude. What incredible strength of heart that God gave Paul. And that's a reminder. We saw it earlier in the text here of Philippians 1 that God gets the credit for Paul's attitude. This isn't Paul necessarily pulling himself up by the bootstrap, so to speak, and just saying, just do it. But his hope is in the Lord. His focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. His passion is making Jesus known. And so he's able to remind himself, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Even as I weep at times. I believe Paul grieved. I believe he felt great discomfort, even disappointment. But in Christ, he knew joy. He was reminded by what was going on around him that God is in control and God is using this circumstance as we saw last Sunday to further the gospel. And in that I will rejoice. Now, note also that there was joy for Paul in the fact that there were others who were proclaiming Christ out of love with proper motives. He was able to find joy, even in those who opposed him, and yet there were those who came alongside Paul and were a great encouragement to him. Note how Paul was encouraged by the love of others. Note verse 16. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So there were those who were preaching from a pure motive, and we can praise God for that. They were preaching out of love. They understood that Paul was a prisoner because of his defense of the gospel, and they understood that his imprisonment was an opportunity to defend the gospel. Notice how he remarks that he was put there. He says, I'm put here for a purpose. What's the purpose? for the defense of the gospel. And these other believers understood this, that Paul was not in prison because of some character flaw in Paul's life. He was not in prison because the authorities knew something about him that that had remained hidden for some time. No, he he was out in the open preaching Christ In fact, he was very above board about the truth he was proclaiming, and this is why he found himself in chains. And they knew that he was put there 
for God's good purposes. These other believers understood this, that Paul was not there in prison for some wrong he had done, but he was imprisoned because of his allegiance to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though I'm sure we don't ask for it, and we probably aren't going to all say today, boy, we welcome opposition as we proclaim Christ. And yet, we ought to pray and ask for the strength of the Lord to be our joy when the opposition comes because we've remained faithful for Christ. There were some who didn't love Paul. The love that's mentioned here seems to refer specifically to the people who had the right motives, their love for Paul. But there were some who who didn't love Paul, obviously, and had taken their eyes off of Christ and were seeking to do, do Paul more harm than he already was experiencing. But these people, these brothers and sisters in Christ who had come alongside him from a motive of love for Paul and a love for the Lord Jesus Christ and a desire to make Christ known also, these people had chosen to join with Paul. Join with him in the preaching and defense of the gospel of Christ, even as he remained a captive. They knew he was captive for Christ. And so Paul had the love, he had the support of other believers who were serving with their focus on Christ. As I think about that, I think about what a, what a place this can be, what a fellowship of believers this can be if we are growing in love. It's something that we heard Paul praying for these believers earlier here in Philippians 1, that their, that their love would abound more and more. Why? Because if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves opposing one another, even with the truth. But may our love abound. May our love grow. May that be our desire. May we ask God, God, grow my love for my brothers and sisters in Christ and grow my love for unbelievers that I might come alongside others in the church and encourage them and strengthen them as I serve alongside them with the gifts that God has entrusted to me. Paul had the love and support of other believers. What joy that had to bring Paul. The joy of the Lord. We ought never remember that wherever there are people, there are going to be problems. Because all of us are humans. (laughs) Humans with our own weaknesses. Humans with our own desires, some of them sinful. We all struggle with this. And where there are people, there will be problems, and sometimes there will be impure motives. But I want you to see here the impact that Paul points to here. Incredible. That Paul points to this impact that others had in his life. Do you see the implication here in what Paul says about these believers who were preaching the gospel of Christ because of their love for Christ and their kinship with Paul and their love for him? I think the implication is this. If we'll pay attention, I think we'll see it, that we need each other. We need each other. God intended for us to need each other. 
So instead of allowing ourselves to be discouraged by those who fail us, those who might oppose us, even with the truth, we got to cling to this, that we can be encouraged and we can know the Lord's joy when we remember and we are encouraged by the people who are working by our side and encouraging us and being faithful to Christ and His gospel. Paul was likely disheartened by those who opposed him, but he wasn't going to stay discouraged because his focus was on Christ. His aim was to know Christ and to make him known. And he was able to be joyful because he kept his focus on Christ. And he was encouraged by those who served out of love. Now, I believe there's another key to Paul's joy seen here. And it was the fact that he didn't look for revenge. He didn't look to get even with those who meant to harm him. Paul did not seek retaliation. Let that be a reminder to us that that is not our business. When someone tries to harm you, your natural inclination is to want to strike back, isn't it? If someone makes you look bad, you're going to be tempted to look for an opportunity to make them look bad. And it's interesting to note here the meaning of the word rivalry that describes those who, whom Paul refers to as preaching from envy and rivalry. Paul wasn't going to be a part of it. He wasn't going to have anything to do with it. Warren Wearsby says it means to canvas for office, to get people to support you. Paul's aim was to glorify Christ and to get people to follow him, Christ. His critics' aim was to promote themselves and to win a following of their own. Instead of asking, have you trusted Christ? They asked, whose side are you on, ours or Paul's? Unfortunately, this kind of religious politics is still seen today, and the people who practice it need to realize that they are only hurting themselves. Paul wasn't going to play the religious politics. He was not going to be involved. Paul wasn't trying to get people to choose up sides. I'm sure that he may have dealt with the temptation. Let's see, how can I get even here? But it didn't last long because his eyes were on Christ and on making his gospel known. He wasn't concerned about whether people were following him or some other preacher of the gospel. He just wanted others to follow Christ, whether it was a result of his ministry or someone else's. Now, if he had focused on getting even, looking to settle the score with those who were trying to do him harm, there would have been no joy for Paul. If he had allowed himself to be overcome with bitterness, resentment, he would not have been able to make the statement, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. And if you and I want to know this same joy, then I believe we'll be helped to remember that the Bible teaches us that God will settle all our wrongs. God will settle the wrongs of people who do us harm. You don't need to concern yourself with that. God is a just judge. He is a righteous and holy judge. But be on guard. This is what we ought to remember. We ought to remember with Romans 12.10 to love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. 
And as Matthew 5.44 says, love your enemies and pray for those who who persecute you. Practice that. Preach that to yourself when opposed. And remember that God will deal with the sins of others. Take a lesson from Paul. He isn't feeling sorry for himself, is he? He isn't trying to get others to feel sorry for him. He's not asking for people to take up sides. He isn't thinking about getting even, but he is encouraged by the love of others. He looks around and he says, wait a minute, there are others proclaiming Christ for the right reason. And there are others, yes, proclaiming Christ for the wrong reason, but they're proclaiming Christ. I'm going to rejoice in the fact that Christ is made known. And he's joyful. I encourage you again, read this letter if you haven't done so already. Read it again if you have. These four short chapters overflow with joy from Paul. I'm sure it hurt Paul to experience the opposition that he faced from fellow believers. That is not as it should be. We got to guard our own lives against that kind of sinfulness. I'm sure Paul was grieved by that when it showed up in the church. And yet he responded with maturity. With his aim, the Lord Jesus Christ, with his focus on Christ, his attitude was Christ-like. He wasn't allowing himself to be offended. He wasn't allowing himself to be self-absorbed with his own pain, with his own suffering. But he was fixed on Christ. He was fixed on the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, he was overflowing with joy. The most important key to Paul's joy was his focus on Christ. This was at the heart of his joy. And this joy can be ours. If we take a a lesson from Paul's example, if we take a lesson from the pages of God's word and worry less about self and be more concerned with giving ourselves for the sake of the gospel. Paul just wanted to know Christ, and he wanted others to know him too. And that was what drove him. And I would encourage you, as I remind myself, let that be your focus this week. As you leave this place, as you turn to another week, and maybe another routine, another work week, go into that week with your heart singing this wonderful truth that there is a gospel and it is being proclaimed and in that I will rejoice that the Lord Jesus Christ is being made known. May I be a part of that. May that be our desire this week as we leave this place asking for God's wisdom, strength, encouragement, even as we we may face opposition, that we would say, I'm going to rejoice in this. And yes, I will rejoice that Jesus Christ is proclaimed. May it be true of us that our lives proclaim Christ, that our lips proclaim Christ. And then we find great joy in in satisfaction in knowing that God has called us to be his faithful servants. And he is with us as we face the hardship and trials and struggles. And even those who may come along and oppose us, even those 
from within the church. May our lives glorify God this week. May that be our desire to make him known.